instead of saying, oh, you're perfect. Oh, great job. Oh, you did that well. Oh, the drawing is amazing, right? We focus on the outcomes and we don't focus on the internal monologue of, wow, I you really worked really hard on that. Well, hello, Joelle, and welcome to Philip Your Cup podcast. I am super excited to have you on the show today and talk to you about your very inspiring work and your incredibly empowering personal story, and also to listen to you sharing your expertise on how we can create a life that feels good. You were a ballet dancer and you suffered a career ending injury. And from there, you went back to school and you studied psychology and you built this incredible career around mental well-being, around building a life that feels good and, and helping others to achieve that as well. And I think doing something like that has to have taken a lot of positive thinking and having a really strong resilient mindset. So I really wanted to talk to you about that today, to talk to you about the concept of mindset. And let's start at the question that I think is probably one of the biggest things debated about mindset. Is it something that we really have the power to change and control? Or is mindset something that's more learned and set in us from things we've picked up at a younger age? Oh, I love this question. Thanks so much for asking it and starting us off here. You know, it's the Darwinism, right? Nature versus nurture question. And I I think the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? I think that there's innate traits that we have in our mindset that are just fixed. And then there's so much of our brain that that we use that we don't even know that we're using, right? That allows us to change and grow and sometimes even um, subconsciously, unconsciously. So I think if you look at both ends of the spectrum, right? We as individuals fall somewhere in the middle where some of it is fixed, a lot of it is learned. And I, I believe that we can change and we can grow. And I love this idea of having a growth mindset, which is Dweck's work. Do you think that there are people or even life experiences that make us more capable of creating that change and vice versa situations or experiences that make it more difficult to make that change and shift in mindset? Yeah, I think, you know, some of it is our world experience, right? And um, if we have trauma, if we have, I mean, there's all, all sorts of things I think that factor into this, you know, systemic racism, culture, you know, generational trauma, our own personal trauma, what's happening in society. We all just went through a global pandemic, right? That impacts how we see things now versus how we saw things three years ago. So I think, you know, it's anything and everything and absolutely environmentally um, fixed, right? In that how we see things, how we think about things, how we change our mindset is shaped by not just our own internal monologue, but our external experiences with our environment, with people, with relationships. And then the question you're asking, I, I think really stems in resiliency, right? Do we have the resiliency, the ability 
the wherewithal to make those changes. And that's the meat of the conversation, right? Why is it so easy? Oh, just think something different. Oh, just be positive. I I really dislike this idea of toxic positivity, right? Oh, just, you know, good vibes only, which is not real. Um, You know, if, if it were that easy, we'd all be doing it. I wouldn't have a job, which would be great. You know, it's not easy to implement, easy concepts to understand, change your thoughts, change your, you know, behaviors. It's all skills based. And yet it takes time, energy, and practice. And quite honestly, most of us are fatigued. We have this emotional fatigue at the end of the day. We're trying to change our thinking and, um, our own behaviors and how we see the world and, and the art of the pivot, right? Is absolutely exhausting. Oh, I I absolutely agree. And I think as well, as you mentioned, off the back of the pandemic, I think many of us have the drive and the vision to want something more from our lives. But the fatigue of just trying to maintain and survive during a cost of living crisis, during all of these changes that we've went through, can make it really difficult to achieve that. And I think that point about resilience is so true. And maybe something that we don't talk about enough. Um, you know, my background is in education and I felt that resilience is just not something that we look at in early childhood enough and talk to parents about and talk to kids about. Uh, so I love your thoughts on, on that topic, on how as adults we can help ourselves relearn this idea, this concept of resilience. Exactly. And, and that's really, that's really it, right? Is if we don't get the skills in early childhood, if we don't learn them from our parents, from relationships, whatever it is, then as grownups, we don't have them. It's part of why changing our mindset as adults is so difficult because it's, we're taking Taking skills we're learning as grownups and then trying to apply them in our everyday life when our learning and, and our, you know, our neuroplasticity is already set in some ways, right? And so I think it's all about defining resilience for yourself because there's so many things that make us resilient and what makes me resilient is different than what will make you resilient and any of your listeners resilient right and so there's strength in these lived experiences and being able to identify what is that for you what's that for your value system for your family or familial value system for your children and talking about that right hey that was really tough i i see that you're struggling and i'm proud that that you are making a great effort is a you know a way that we can bring that message to kids instead of saying oh you're perfect oh great job oh you did that well oh the drawing is amazing right we focus on the outcomes and we don't focus on the internal monologue of wow i you really worked really hard on that valuing the process valuing also sometimes valuing the struggle of the process you know, learning is growth. Growth is rarely not painful in some way, whether it's that mental pain that we have to go through learning something new. And just in the same way, talking to kids, valuing the process, I think that's something we can also apply back to ourselves in that self-compassion, taking that space of going, hey, I didn't get the outcome that I wanted, but I 
power through. I faced the challenge. I lasted longer than maybe I did in the past. And that's not being soft on yourself because the next time you have that evidence facing a challenge to go, hey, I did this before and I made it this far. Maybe next time I can go a little bit further. And, you know, we we used, we used to, I think in the world of education and psychology, right, say, oh, grit, children lack grit. And I hear that and I think of this, you know, response of, oh, suck it up, buttercup, right? right? That's what that means. And I think redefining what grit actually means, which is, you know, working hard and working through failures and pulling yourself back up and learning from mistakes, changing your thinking and your mindset, right? Being able to own the pieces that belong to you. And I think for me, when I think about grit, that's the piece that I think makes resilience, right? Is, okay, well, I didn't do that great, or I made a mistake, or I hurt someone's feelings. So what can I do differently tomorrow, right? Um, The sky is not going to fall. I promise every one of you, the sky will not fall. And if it is, you you know, we need to be doing something different right now, you know, and we get into this, this kind of mentality that stops us in our tracks. And so really taking a pause, you know, taking a mental step back, a couple of deep breaths, and go, okay, what do I need to focus on right now? Tomorrow's another day. And I get an opportunity to try it again. I get an opportunity to apologize. I get an opportunity to try a new skill. I get an opportunity to rewrite the paragraph, whatever it is, right? And for me, that's grit. It's not suck it up buttercup. It's do I have the ability, determination, resiliency, right? And willingness, to look at it differently and try again. I may get the same result, right? I may get the same result and I take a step back and I'm like, all right, well, that didn't work. Now what am I going to do? Can I try this again? And that resiliency, right, starts to propel us forward. It changes our mindset. It changes the way that we handle ourselves, how we learn. And those are the pieces that I see children needing so much. And that that isn't in conflict of gentle parenting, right? The language that we use is more gentle with children now, you know? Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think looking at like, I myself didn't consider myself a very resilient person when I went into the adult world. And and that difference of looking at the end outcome, if it didn't go right, this concept of failure was, that's it, that's the end. But the reality is we do get to get up again tomorrow. We do get to try again, rather than thinking of it, we have to face all of these people with this failure. I think failure is only truly a failure when we can't look at something that went quote unquote wrong and think, okay, what can I learn from this? Because there is always something we can take away that we can use in the next step of our journey. And and that paves the road. I think we see people who have success stories, who are living lives that are fulfilling and all we see is the end result. We don't see all of those little lessons that they had to learn to get to where they are now. Uh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, you know, chuckling inside just because you know, I often tell clients this, um, look, I had to learn to give myself permission to make mistakes as a career perfectionist. I'm a ballerina by training. I danced 22 years professionally, like as a career perfectionist. Um, 
giving myself permission to make mistakes. And that sounds so funny, but it was one mistake equaled a hundred percent failure. And I started learning this skill by saying, okay, I give myself permission to make three mistakes a day. Now I make way more than that on a daily basis, right? But it was, it was this mindful choice of I'm going to make mistakes. And then also being able to own our own behavior when you know, sometimes we really screw things up, especially with relationships, and there isn't a fix. Someone says, you know what, I'm just done being your friend, I or I don't want to have a relationship, whatever that is, right? And there isn't a fix. So how do we grow from that? And that's really owning our behavior. And so those are big lessons for me, when I first started my own journey of of healing and pivoting and, and trying to figure out what life was going to look like was being able to work on the perfectionism, which is rooted so much in guilt and shame. And, um, and like you said, not, not having that internal resilience or strength to say, it's okay. The sky, the sky's not going to fall if you make a mistake. We've talked about resilience and you've mentioned perfectionism as well. What are some of the other big blocks that you have seen people that you've worked with your clients um, experience when it comes to making those mindset shifts? I think it's it's some of it is our hustle culture, right? Um, just go, 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 go. You get it, do the next thing. You get it, you do the next thing. And when you're trying to change your behavior, change your mindset, learn resilience, develop new skills, it is a practice. And so, and I'm guilty of this, right? We we do ten, we go ten steps forward and a million steps back. At least that's how it feels. And so the one slip, the one screw up, the one mistake, you're like, oh, F it, I'm done, wash my hands, I can't do it. And then all of that negative self-talk, that old thinking and behavior starts to creep back up again, because we don't, we haven't developed that, that resiliency, right, to just hold on a little bit longer. And like you said, grow from those mistakes, right? So we put constantly push ourselves into setback, because it's hard, it is hard. It's emotionally exhausting. It can be physically exhausting. Our whole body reacts to stress and and how we you know how we interact with our own internal monologue. And it's hard. It, it, it just I keep saying it's hard because it is right. It's really challenging to keep reminding yourself of oh do the thing oh do the thing oh do the thing oh do and after a while you're like oh. Well, I forgot to do it the one time, so forget it. It's not working. I love that you brought up that idea of practice because I think there's so many things that are buzzwords now, like self-care, like mindfulness, like mindset, that we think, okay, I'm going to read all the books about it, or I'm going to listen to the podcast about it, or I'm going to save the Instagram reel about it, and and then that's it. That's a fix. I do this thing once, I apply it, and I'm going to feel better, when the reality is that we'll apply it and maybe we'll get like a boost from it, but it's the practice. It's the long road. It's the, sometimes it's the moments of going, oh, I didn't actually do it. I wasn't compassionate with myself. I wasn't resilient in this moment. And realizing that that's part of the practice. That's part of the journey because it gives us that moment to step back and go, okay, well, if I apply this now, if I'm compassionate with myself now, what does that mean for the next step? Absolutely. It's it's the awareness, right? Our ability to step back, look at ourselves, reflect, 
you know, and, and that's where the magic happens. Um, and I think we, you know, we're so designed for the, um, I did it, you know, yay me, I did it. So it's like, I did it the one time, it's going to work forever. And the reality is, is no, it only works the one time. Um, so the way that I work with people, just even for my own self, my, and my children are older and, and, um, you know, I would do this with them, which is there's constantly a bag of tricks. Like if this one doesn't work, this one will. And if that one doesn't work, there's another one. And even for me, I find that I fatigue easy. I get bored. Um, when I figure it out, I think I've mastered it. Remember, I'm a perfectionist, right? So I think I've mastered it. And that's not the truth at all. And so, and then I forget. Um, I have to have a lot of different things at my disposal. So I'm like, all right, well, if I don't have time to go out for a walk and I forgot to, you know, take some deep breaths and my shoulders are now, you know, up wedged by my ears and I'm stressed out and my talking is getting faster and I haven't eaten all day. Like I, I teach this stuff for a living and I have those days. I have those days where I fail at my skills. Because we're human. We're not perfect. We're not robots. I mean, this concept of perfectionism, we still, we still strive for it. We still strive to be the perfect person, the perfect businesswoman, the perfect mom. When are we going to let go of this idea of perfect? Because it doesn't exist. It, it, and it and it never will. And we rationally know that. And then we catch ourselves doing it anyway. Mm. Right. You know, and so for me, I've, I, I laugh at myself a lot. I found humor is a great release. Um, I journal, I do a lot of different things that helps keep me grounded where I, when I'm spinning into that, I screwed up again. I'm never going to get it. it. You know, the world is, you know, coming to an end, the sky is falling and I'm in that mindset and I'm not using my resiliency skills, right? I'm, I'm not able to see the bigger picture because I'm so far in the muck of it all. Right. And, um, and it's hard to get myself out of that sometimes, you know, so trying to find that, that big reset button that you can push go okay what does that look like for right now is it you know shut down turn everything off go for a walk is it phone a friend is it just get outside so for me it's all about these little micro self-care kinds of things not this one big thing i i will be honest with you i love journals i buy them like they are going out of style i write them for a living i have a new one that just came out right I don't do them. I don't do, I'm the worst patient ever. I don't do them. I sit down. I'm like, I am going to start my, my journal practice for the, for 20 minutes every morning. I'm going to start journaling. It is good for me. It makes me feel better. Right. I am going to do it three days later. I'm like, Oh, I don't have time. Oh, I got to do this thing. Oh, I forgot to wash my hair, whatever the excuses, whatever the excuses and the journal practice stops. I've gotten three days of successful journal and the journal practice stops. And it took me years of therapy to finally realize doing a podcast about six months ago to go, I don't like writing it down because it's scary. When I see it written on the paper, it's real. And I don't want to face it. I, I don't want to look at it. If it's just in my head, while well, I get to spin on it and chew on it and pretend I'm dealing with it, right? I really am not. I, I can I can pretend it doesn't exist, but the minute I write it down, for me, this is just my own process, right? The minute I write it down, it is real, and now I have to do something about it. 
Yeah, I think it comes from like that practicality of when you write a to-do list as well. Like when you write a to-do list, it has to be done. I'm like an avid journaler, but I can so relate to what you're saying. When I sit down to my journal and I know that there's something I need to journal about because it's been weighing on my mind, sometimes I'm. it's as if someone else is reading the journal, even though it's only me, but I have that mindset of... I'm not ready to talk about this yet to the journal because then I have to actually deal with the fact that this is either self-sabotaging or this is a pattern that I know I have to deal with. Right, exactly. And so it's like, you know, and for anyone listening, you're, you know, you're listening to two people that, that, again, teach this stuff for a living, right? This is our profession where we practice what we preach and and yet we still struggle. And, and that's the magic for me. That's the magic is figuring out those human qualities so I can take a step back, not take myself too seriously, right? And then say, okay, what do I need to do next? And that that is the fundamental takeaway for listeners is stop take a breath. What do I need to do next in this moment right now? Not later, not tomorrow, not next year, just next. And sometimes that's turn off the phone, shut the journal, open the journal, right? So like it's, it's that simple. What do I need to do next stops us from spinning and getting out of our, our, out of our head, getting out of our own way. Right. And then able to start building that resiliency and moving forward. I love that. I would add to that as well, maybe for our listeners to think about what what do we need to do next for us? Because sometimes when we're in that perfectionist, people-pleasing mindset, it can be that dialogue of, of what do I think other people need me to do next? And when we're really spiraling, we really need to check in with what do I need? And that's not a selfish thing. Just even if it's five, 10 minutes of doing something that's just for you and not for the sake of someone else, it can really help bring you back to that place where you can have rational thoughts and you can problem solve and you can move through big emotion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And people pleasing comes with, I mean, it's interwoven with everything we've been talking about, right? You know, and that, that is a mindset. Absolutely. It's learned. It's in our nature. It's in our nurture. It's a mindset. We do it for a lot of reasons, you know, so. For many of us, it was survival as well. It's, it's how we learn to fit in, to be, you know, to socialize is what do I give other people? And so that's definitely a big one. I know I've had to work on is like when I'm struggling, when I'm emotional, that's like the mindset I'll lock into and stepping back and going, oh, okay, (laughs) what do I need first before I give to others? Because that is so important. Let's, Let's lean into that. For our listeners, for those in the moment situations where you realize your mindset is not in a helpful place or you're stressed or you're overwhelmed, what are those... I say quick fixes, even though I know that there are no quick fixes, let's say tools or tricks that we can pull out in those overwhelming moments to help make small, meaningful shifts to our mindset, to help us move that one step forward, even if it's not the perfect outcome. Yeah. So I've got three for you um, and they all stack together. So the first one you've heard me say a couple of times, right, is is take a breath. The thing about breathing is when we're holding our breath, our breath is shallow. We're activating our nervous system. And what we want to do in those moments is actually calm our nervous system down. So when we take some big, deep belly breaths, it doesn't matter how you breathe. 
in those moments, when you take three big belly breaths, what it does is it helps push that reset button and calm your nervous system down. So that's the first thing. Second thing is I visualize a stop sign, right? Or the word stop, stop, whatever it is I'm doing, thinking in that moment, stop, three big breaths, roll my shoulders, right? And then that third piece is what do I need to do next? So I have this method, right? Stop, breathe, what do I need to do next? So those are two, you know, two different skills. So one is just simple breath work. The other is what we call thought stopping. It's cognitive behavioral. Stop, breathe, then reshift, refocus. What do I need to do next? The third is I love acronyms and I love sticky notes. And if you could see my computer, they're covered with sticky notes. So I will share the, the two that I have on my computer and then I have them on my bathroom mirror. So I write myself notes. So this one is not mine. I I borrowed it from my um, clinical director. It's called WAIT, W-A-I-T. Why am I talking? So that is my favorite one because I will just talk. I'll just talk to talk to talk to talk to. It's the way I feel up nervous. It's my my anxiety, right? It's that people pleasing, like you said. I'll just I'll have to just talk. I eventually will figure it, mm-hmm. right? So taking that breath, why am I talking? 90% of the time, I'm like, there's no reason for me to be talking. I really just need to to stop, take a breath, observe. Eventually, I I will calm down a little bit, right? Or that internal talking. So not just external, but that ramping up of, oh my God, oh my God. And, you know, your brain starts to go on hyperdrive, right? So the other thing, tip that I have is write yourself sticky notes, right? Perfect, you know, perfectly imperfect. I give myself permission to make mistakes today. Don't forget to breathe. Um, it's, you know, today's going to be hard. I can do it, right? What, whatever it is, sticky notes are great. The other one I have on my computer is um, running a, a company um, as a people pleaser and a perfectionist is not always the best um, marriage of fantastic uh, characteristics. So the other one I have is Um, It's not my job to be popular. It's my job to make hard decisions. And um, so these little reminders for me help me because there are times where I just can't hold it all in my head. I could not agree with this more. I'm smiling the whole way you were saying that because my whole business, like Laura Jane Illustrations, when I started that on Instagram, that came off the back of exactly what you do. I used to leave myself little positive post-its. I used to stick them in my bathroom cupboard because I'd see them every morning before work and at the end of every day when I'm taking off my makeup. And it was just that. I would leave these messages, quotes that I'd seen on Pinterest, and I would read them in the morning when I'm getting ready and I would just repeat them to myself. Even if in the moment I'm like, I don't believe this. (laughs) It's not true. It's that like repeated action. That's what helped me make a mindset shift. That's what helped me be more resilient when I'm focused facing a challenge was, you know, that time after a hundred times of repeating a positive quote to myself, the time it actually worked when I'm in a challenge that it just played in the back of my head. So I love post-it notes. (laughs) If you struggle to action things or you struggle to maintain that, you know, positive mindset or that growth focused mindset, I think it's such a helpful tool. Just having those reminders, even if you feel like it's white noise, most of the time your brain is absorbing it. Yeah. And in the beginning, when I first started doing that, um, because the bathroom mirror is my my goat, right? 
I'm, I'm looking at myself in the morning and I'm looking at myself in the evening, right? Beginning and the end of the day. And I would take just the inexpensive um, lip liners or eye, eye liners that you can buy anywhere. And I would write myself notes on my mirror. Um, and then I'd fill up all the edges. And it got to a point where I wasn't even reading it, but my subconscious was definitely taking it in, mm. right? And you know, the last thing I tell my clients when we're really working on on difficult things and um, working on trauma specifically is being able to look at yourself in the mirror. At the end of the day, you live with you, right? You are responsible to you. And if you can't live with yourself, if you can't look at yourself in your bathroom mirror at the end of the day, then something didn't go right. So for me, that's my guiding star. It doesn't matter what I did how much I screwed up, whatever it is, if I can look at myself at the end of the day and go, okay, well, that sucked. Um, I didn't do that well. Tomorrow's a new day and I'll try again, right? Then I did my best. And it may have failed, but at least I tried, right? Versus getting and looking at myself in the bathroom mirror and going, all right, well, you screwed that one up. What what were you thinking? Like, and then that negative, really harsh self-talk of, um, yep, you weren't thinking, you didn't try, like that ownership of, wow, you really did not do that well, um, starts to set in, you know, and I have to be able to answer to myself. I think like the other side of that as well is, you know, life is tough. Life is hard. There's no way of skirting around that. We're going to have people that we meet who are going to be unkind to us, who are going to do all tough and no love. And so I think looking at yourself in the mirror and is a great way to hold space for that self-compassion because you have to see yourself as a person and not just live in this dialogue in your head. You have to look at yourself the same way you would a friend and say, this is a, you know, this is a person that I have to live with. You know, I live in my body for my whole life. Um, and just to, to hold that space and that compassion, because sometimes no one else is going to do that for you except you yourself. And so, so do it. Life is is too short to not show yourself that little bit of kindness, own up your mistakes, but also, you know, just hold that space for yourself. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing, right? Is is that positive self-talk. We again, it's a great buzzword. We hear it all the time, you know, positive vibes only. We could do a whole nother show about that. Um, you know, the positive self-talk is is not just saying it. It's understanding it. And so finding the words that make sense for you. Um, for me, oh, you did a great job. You tried so hard. It never will work for me. Again, career about like that is not my mindset because there's no try. You just are perfect or you're not. And that's so ingrained in who I am. And it's so hard to unlearn. So, you know, oh, I tried doesn't resonate for me right? It's like, okay, well, I realize that I don't think I did a great job with this. Um, and that's okay. What, you know, what can I do differently tomorrow? So for me, it, it's really about the semantics and how I've reframed things. Um, you know, or I, I worked really hard on this thing, and it didn't go well. Um, and that's okay. It, it's okay that it didn't go well. That's a great place to start with that. Self-talk is, you know, it didn't go well. 
that's okay. It doesn't feel like it's okay, but it it is okay. What a great place to dive into it. Well, I think that's a really good place for us to stop. Um, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. It has been so inspiring to listen to you talking. I've enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. I always like to finish up by asking my guests how they keep their well-being cup topped up because obviously this is fill up your cup podcast. So how do you like to keep your cup topped up at the moment, Joelle? Oh my gosh. Um, getting outside, moving my body. Um, I love hot yoga. Uh, anything that, that I can get out and just move, dance in the kitchen. Um, I'm ridiculously silly a hundred percent of the time. I'm constantly laughing at myself. And so um, when I lose that, it's a bad day. I love that. I love that idea of just not taking yourself too seriously and and learning to to play with yourself, with life, because it's hard enough as it is. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Joelle, for all of your expertise, for all of your tips on mindset. And I will leave all of your information in the show notes if our guests want to go and find out more about you and the work that you do with JRMNA. Mm -hmm. 